Welcome to Experience Junkies. On this show, I bring together meeting and event professionals, global travelers, jet setters, and more to relive the moments we never want to forget. More importantly, we'll attempt as best we can to transport listeners to transformational points in our lives, sharing our observations and emotions behind these stories. By diving into the indelible impact these experiences have had on us, we decode small takeaways about how to be better humans than we were yesterday. For today's episode, I jumped across the pond for a social media superstar in the meetings and incentives industry, and it's none other than Sabrina Myers with the Hot Hospitality Exchange. Uh, If you have seen her on LinkedIn or Instagram or Twitter, you'll know that she is really a leader in the space of making sure that meeting events and hospitality professionals make sure that they have a personal brand and a voice, as well as brands using these social platforms as well to broadcast their venues or their event services. So um, Sabrina has a really interesting story in terms of her background, and she's really a global citizen in a true sense of the phrase. And I had a great conversation with her. So I would love for you to sit back, relax and enjoy uh, our conversation about Sabrina's life as a citizen of the world. Welcome back to the podcast. So happy that you are listening. I am wonderfully excited to have with me today the lovely Sabrina Myers of Hot Hospitality Exchange. Sabrina and I kind of met online. We actually still have not met in person, although we feel like we know each other. So um, she's definitely one of my internet besties. One day we will be IRL besties too, just a matter of time. Uh, But yeah, Sabrina, so happy to have you with us. Tell everyone about who you are and what you do. What a fabulous introduction. Thank you, Dana. I do hope that we do get to become IRL besties. Um, But yes, I'm Sabrina Myers uh, from Hot Hospitality Exchange, which is my brand um, that I launched in 2017. Um, But I am a uh, event professional. So I am an event planner by trade, a global event planner, uh, primarily have been freelancing, uh, for about eight years now. Um, and, uh, before that, uh, I was in hotels, hotel sales. Um, and now I'm in the space of, uh, virtual moderating, event moderating. Um, and a big, big, uh, focus of mine is social media, um, and content strategy for, hotels, destinations, and event businesses, and helping them to put strategies together to get clarity on their content, um, to make sure that they basically uh, supercharge their social media channels. Um, So that's me. Wonderful. Well, I would love to know, I feel like anyone who's an event professional either has a really interesting story about how they fell into the industry or... Um, it started at a super young age. I don't really find people in the middle. It's either like, hey, I was in this field and I fell into events or I started planning parties when I was five and I always knew I wanted to do events, right? Kind of where do you fall in that camp and what got you in this industry? So I wouldn't say that I I always wanted to be in events. I definitely um, didn't study it. Um, My path was, uh, I would say, born out of my love for hotels and travel 
So, um, you know, my parents obviously wanted me to do something very professional, like being an accountant or an engineer or a lawyer, um, as lots of parents from the subcontinent that mine come from do. Um, and I, of course, did not deliver on that front. Um, and I was trying to figure, you know, like any other teenager, uh, I was trying to figure out what I wanted from life and what I wanted to do and what I would be good at. Um, and at that point, um, I was, I would, I was a big traveler. Uh, my father was a university professor, so he would travel pretty much every other month, um, uh, delivering conferences and being, he was a speaker at conferences. And, and he would take me and my mother along sometimes. And I, I guess that's where my love for five-star hotels began, you know? Um, and I was like, oh, wow, I'd love to kind of just always be around this. Um, and I realized that wasn't something very easy to get into. Um, and <laughs> shortly after that, um, I, um, uh, I started a, a higher diploma in Singapore, where I come from, where I'm born, um, uh, in hotel management, in hotel uh, and tourism. Uh, because my brother's best friend was a very big influence. He was like me. He wasn't very good at professional things. He used to deliver takeaway for, for Domino's. Um, you know, he was a very kind of street smart person that had no interest in books whatsoever and studying. Um, but he uh, really found his path and his passion and everything in food and beverage, um, in hotels. And he would invite me and my family uh, to like those luxurious high tea brunches. And, you know, we got to experience that in Singapore. And I was like, oh, my God, this is amazing. Like, I want to be doing this, too. Um, so I found out where he studied um, and that they were offering a course in hotels and tourism and hospitality and tourism. And so I convinced my father to let me do that, um, which he was like, OK. Um, and then I, I did that. I absolutely loved it because it was like, you know, hotels are like little worlds, right? Um, you learn everything. You learn anything from how to make that perfect bed to how to pour that perfect cocktail to, you know, making your own cream and mushroom soup to marketing and accounting. Like, what do you not learn? So I love that. Um, and, uh, and then it's a really great way to also understand what you would be good at, what would be a department that you would be passionate about. So you know, I did my internship at uh, a hotel called the Meritus Mandarin in Singapore. And I realized very quickly I was not going to be a front office kind of person. I was not going to be reception. I was not going to be concierge. I was not going to be housekeeping. Um, and uh, after my internship, I actually went on to study and get my degree in uh, Sydney, in Australia, at a private hospitality university. Um, and my first job was in sales. It was hotel sales and I worked at the time for Starwood Hotels when they were back Starwood. Um, and I worked at uh, the Sheraton on the park uh, in the sales department. I was sales coordinator. That was my first job uh, for uh, the mice uh, side of things. So that's where my eyes kind of all opened up to this whole world of mice, like meetings, incentives, conferences, events, doing site inspections, um, contracts, uh, convincing clients why they should book your hotel, um, and really opened up that fabulous world of say, like hospitality sales, you know, and the travel and the shows and everything. So I got my taste and that's where I fell in love with it and I continued doing that. Then I moved to London uh, because I wanted to work on this side of the world. Um, and 
I continued in hotels. I worked for Hilton. I worked then uh, also uh, with the leading hotels of the world, which is a sales and marketing company, representing some of the finest. And it was incredible, incredible experience. And I don't regret any of it. I think it's been uh, absolutely phenomenal. Um, and my boss uh, left <laughs> and he decided to start his own event company in New York. Um, and he was like, Sabrina, I think you should launch the London office. And I was like, wow. <laughs> and I was like, really? <laughs> and so um, he's like, would you be up to it? And I said, well, I absolutely love events. I love planning them. I've helped, you know, the teams organize the ones that we had for, you know, the various hotels and, and, and organizations that I used to work in. Um, so why not? You know, how hard can it be? It was very, very hard. But, um, and it is hard. It's hard work. Um, and it was startup hard, right? Um, it was kind of, you're doing everything from hiring to getting the office in order, the stationery to um, account management to business development. You're pretty much doing everything. Um, and so I really was thrown into the deep end, but I did love it and I learned so much. And my boss, he was just, you know, he's one of these hospitality industry legends. So it was really amazing to be in that environment. Um, so that's kind of how I, I guess, fell <laughs> into events. I was handpicked and put into the field and I loved it so much that I never left. That pretty much was it. Awesome. Wonderful. I love the, the journey. And, um, and, and uh, when you mentioned kind of, hey, I would like to keep doing these five-star experiences. Oh, wait, that's on dad's company's dime. I'm, you know, if I'm actually paying <laughs> yeah. for this, I, I can't afford any of this, right? What a reality check. Exactly. It's really interesting, too, that you've had several kind of career shifts. How you know, one, you started with your internship and you worked in hotel sales, then you were a planner, and now you're kind of really focused on being, you know, the talent at events, but also helping people with their social media strategies. Can you kind of talk about, you know, how the different experiences um, have affected your like love relationship with events, if you will, you know, from the sales perspective to the planner perspective to, you know, now kind of being a consultant and social media expert? Absolutely. Um, you know, I think it's really allowed me to get to view the industry from so many different perspectives. Um, you know, from the hotel perspective, I got to see it, you know, from the supplier side, you know, how do you cater to clients? What do you do best in order to make that sale? How do you get leads? How do you account manage? How do you develop business? Um, and then, of course, how do you network and how do you, you know, uh, uh, have a good time and, 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 and kind of make those relationships and um, appreciate the travel and everything that comes with it and learn lots of things along the way. So the hotel side of things was definitely a great starting point. Um, and it's true, I have had quite a few shifts uh, and transformations um, and they've always been, um, the catalyst for these have always been something personal that has happened, that has kind of pushed me in, the op in that direction towards where I am today. Um, so from hotels, you know, I left Australia and I moved to London for a personal reason um, that was far greater than anything I could have ever imagined. And it really forced me to 
relook at my life and make certain decisions. So I did do that. Um, and then, uh, you know, uh, when I moved into events, the event side of things really taught me a lot of grit. You know, get your hands dirty. It is long hours. It is also um, teamwork. How do you manage different personalities? How do you manage different people and getting stuff done? Um, how you need it done? How do you communicate, you know, across cultures? Um, how do you, you know, and a lot of that helps because I was well-traveled already. So I was able to sort of understand cer certain cultures um, and work around them. And if I didn't, I learned um, because I was thrown into the deep end. Um, so, you know, events really taught me the hard graft, I want to say. It also taught me the whole organization and planning side of things. Um, and then it also kind of makes you look at everything in a very... It's kind of like the... Like it makes your brain turn into like an asana. <laughs> you know, like a, right. your brain is this project <laughs> management tool. You know? Your brain is and... one giant Gantt chart. <laughs> exactly and you're just like you're like this Miro board <laughs> you're just like drawing on right? that's like what the inside of my brain looks like um yeah and so you know that's what it that's what it gave me and and I think it was it's it's been so amazing to be able to be at both ends of the both sides of the coin because it allows me to approach problems and situations from both sides which not everyone has you know in the industry and I always recommend to you know if you're hiring it's so good to be able to hire people that do have different perspectives and if you're looking for a job try doing something on the other side and see what you learn because it gives you so much perspective as well to do your job potentially better um and then obviously social media, you know, I always loved it personally. Um, I was that person checking in everywhere when Facebook was like released. Um, I don't know why <laughs> I did that. It was just the thing to do at the time. And, you know, putting all my photo albums up and everything. But then I guess very early on, I realized how powerful it was in what we did as a job. You know, mm -hmm. what a powerful platform it is to be able to showcase so many different things and why aren't people doing it <laughs> you know right um so it kind of um i guess also pushed me into the world of uh design content creation learning new skills that i never had before like learning how to use graphic uh programs and design programs and a whole different toolkit of of things if you will so you know, it kind of also made me really appreciate the tech side of things, you know, um, and, and how to kind of really use all these amazing tools that are out there um, to kind of better one's marketing and branding and sales, you know. So, so I would say those are kind of the three things that I've really kind of got along the way. And it's, it's yeah, it's been one pivot to the other, to the other, to the other, all catalysted by personal milestones. <laughs> You were pivoting long before it was a four-letter word, obviously. That is true. <laughs> oh, God, I said it, didn't I? I told myself you I did. wasn't going to You said the it. dreaded word. <laughs> that should be like the, the perpetuity drinking game in our industry. Like, anytime anyone says that word, you take a shot, shot. right? Exactly. <laughs> 
You, one oh, thing I love gosh. about you, Sabrina, is your um, diverse background, which you kind of talked about a little bit, you know, from a professional standpoint. But I love the multinationalism of your life, you know, in terms of where your fam- family was and you guys immigrated to Singapore and that's where you were born. And then you've lived in London, you've lived in Australia. Can you talk about kind of how these different um, like living environments, because obviously it's one thing to travel somewhere as a tourist. It's another to actually live and work in a different country, how that's really kind of affected, um, your service and kind of how your outlook is as an event professional, having, you know, all these diverse experiences from, you know, um, as an expat, if you will, and multi many times over. Absolutely. You know, I think I can only describe myself as a global citizen. I honestly don't feel I belong to any country. If I had to pick one, it would be Singapore, no doubt. Um, But yeah, you know, I think, uh, you know, so I've lived, obviously, I was born and raised in Singapore to migrant parents. Uh, My parents are from Bangladesh. Um, And so very early on, you know, I was very much brought into that community environment. You know, it takes a village to raise children. I was surrounded by other Bengali families. Um, I grew up in a very uh, loud, colorful and, you know, like what you see in monsoon wedding kind of environment, right? Like my big fat um, Greek wedding, but the Bengali version. So, you know, I, I was all about that. That's the culture I grew up in. So it was very much, you know, about hospitality. It was about, um, food and hosting and inviting random strangers on the street back home that my father met in a lift, like really random stuff. Um, but you know, and then, so I grew up with that side of things. Um, but then Singapore itself, you know, I always tell people I was born into diversity because it, it is a melting pot. Um, I didn't know anything different. Uh, you know, I didn't know uh, that there was uh, one main language. You know, we had four. We have four uh, official languages in Singapore that you grow up with, not just one. So you know, there was always uh, you know our public holidays. There was always we were celebrating Chinese New Year and Deepavali and Ramadan and Christmas. So for me, I was doing all the holidays. It was great to grow up there, right? You got all the days. <laughs> Yeah, <laughs> you, know? um, you just need to add like so the, from... Ju- the Jewish holidays, sprinkle those in as well, and then you would have had the exactly. Full you know, <laughs> um, so from that perspective, we we learned we learned a lot. I learned a lot about different cultures and what you know you would do, and you know you become much more tolerant and more um, open minded and much more broad in your in your thinking and how you approach things and and how you converse with people and communicate so you know that obviously helped a lot in grounding but obviously Singapore is you know everyone knows it it's a very strict country it's very conservative you know it's 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 not a liberal <laughs> open uh country so you know everything was very you know there was a huge emphasis on education and it could be very stifling at some points um so you know you really had to kind of if you were a creative, it was hard, you know, you had to find those ways to kind of be creative um, and still do like the professional stuff and kind of find your place. Um, so that was hard, but you you pick it up and learn it along the way. Uh, then I moved to Australia, which is a complete other side of this, right? It was like, do what you want 
it, freedom, you know, and it was the first time I stayed um, uh, away from home, I moved away from home, and I was uh, 18, and that's dangerous, <laughs> when you're 18, and you're from Singapore, and you move to Australia, it's just, I mean, it's a shit show, I, I can't not, like, <laughs> you know, it was like, I don't think my parents heard from me for, like, a month after I landed, because I was just, I don't know, I was in oblivion, um, yeah. But you know, again, I, I didn't grow the, up. I didn't grow up super conservative. I didn't grow up super conservative, but my parents were a little more on the strict side than all of my friends. So I can definitely identify with that going away to college and like the chains being unleashed and like party time. You know, I can stay up late. I can do what I want. So yeah, that's really interesting how you have that that real kind of you know restrictive environment, and then you were basically released into the the wild. <laughs> yeah literally I was you know, and I embraced it is if you've met me and you know me I will just do stuff I will take I will throw myself into anything um and I did at that point um and that's how I experienced it all and you know um and again Sydney was also another very much cultural melting pot you know we had a lot of international students I was in an international uh college doing my degree um it was a very funny statistic is that like 60% of this college were Norwegians. <laughs> oh, wow. Uh, yeah, so That's I have a ton of Norwegian friends. I know, it's really random. Um, so, you know, I knew all these... I was celebrating Norwegian National Day for like six years that I lived there, right? It was so <laughs> bizarre. Um, and I, mean, I visited like the Siemens Church, so random. But, um, but what, you know, living there also or living or moving and living in different places also teaches you is, you know, you learn all the nitty gritty of you know, renting an apartment and what do you need to do and signing up to gas and water, what do you need to do? And these are all things you don't experience as, you know, as a traveler or a tourist, but you really get, you know, into it when you live somewhere. And of course, every country functions differently. Um, so, you know, there was, I didn't have to worry about that stuff when I lived in Singapore because I, you know, I lived with my parents. But then Australia was where I kind of became an adult, so to speak. Like, got to work. I worked as a barista, at first as a waitress in a chocolate cafe, chocolate coffee cafe. Um, and then I'd be worked my way up to like head barista. I was making like 200 coffees every morning and I loved it. Um, and that's how I would pay my rent, you know. And I lived my, with, um, it was the first time I lived in an apartment with another person that I didn't know and it was a boy <laughs> not, we weren't together oh, wow. but you know uh, that already raised some eyebrows with my parents because they were like we send you to Australia and you're living with a boy like it was just like <laughs> um, but but you know it was two-bedroom apartment he had a girlfriend you know we were friends and classmates um, and he was very responsible and you know um, it was really nice also to adult you know you learned how to live with another person how to clean how to cook how to pay your bills how to work for a living and all those values came when I moved to Australia and taking care of myself you know which I never had to do so that was what Australia gave me um, and then I moved to London where that continued and you go through the motions again of all the <laughs> red tape and bureaucracy of, you know, signing up to internet and doing your lease and paying council tax and all this rubbish. And, you know, you just kind of get better at it. It's just same, same, but different. Um, but I think when you travel, 
it just gets easier as a person to connect with other people, irregardless of what the culture is, or even if they can't communicate, you find a way, you know? And I think that's what living in different places, it's given me a lot of patience. It's given me a lot of um, perspective, you know, that, okay, you know, instead of getting angry, I actually go, wait, how are they, um, how are they uh, understanding what's happening right now? Not, not me getting upset about it, but maybe they've mis- you know, misunderstood what, what is happening and they're reacting the way that they're reacting as opposed to me being defensive and going for it. So I think that's kind of, you know, what um, was made kind of uh, evident with all the moves that I had. Um, and it's, you know, I, I always say it's like brick by brick, the person that you become, right? So, uh, and then my last move was to Germany because my husband's German and I live here in Cologne, just outside of Cologne with a little boy. Um, and that was another huge transition of moving to a country where you don't speak the language, where it is a very different culture to England. Um, and you have to get used to not only um, living in a new country, learning a new language, but also becoming a mother. It was kind of three things that all happened at once. Um, so you can definitely say I grew a lot. <laughs> um, I definitely, for lack of better words, I don't sweat the small stuff. <laughs> um, it takes a lot to really get a rise out of me. Um, and I'm very resourceful. <laughs> oh, very, very good. Yeah, I think the diversity of experiences you've had just can make you kind of think on the fly quickly when you need to react to and adapt to change, right? Oh, yeah, absolutely. You just mm-hmm. learn. You just got to. Yeah, you, you, I've, it's, I've never I've always been flight. Uh, no, fight. I've always been fight, never flight. When you go on a flight. Gotcha. But... <laughs> <laughs> Now, uh, uh, I want to kind of go along. I'm going to do a fun little kind of activity. I want to ask, I want to say the name of the country um, because we're going to kind of go through your experience of where you've lived and your background. And I want you to give like one word, I know it's hard, one word to kind of encapsulate your memory or your perspective on that. All right. And we'll start with Bangladesh because that's where your parents are from and that's kind of your home culture. Um, So one word to encapsulate it. So. Bangladesh. Loud. <laughs> Singapore. Food. Um, Australia. Oh, um, f- friendship. Friendship. Um, uh, England. Party. And Germany. Suburbia. Suburbia. Well, I feel like you're in that phase of life, right? It speaks to where yeah. you're at. Um, <laughs> and, and I have to know, how many languages do you actually speak? Or can you understand? Which, what's your kind of, uh, where are you on the polyglot system? <laughs> oh, gosh. So English, German, Bengali, uh, Malay, Hindi, uh, Urdu, I understand. Um and then, you know, it's peppered with like, uh, I understand little bits of French. I understand uh, little bits of Italian. Um, nothing that's going to, you know, get me a job or anything. 
um, but I could get by in those scenarios. Um, and a ton of uh, swear words in Mandarin. <laughs> <laughs> That's kind of the first thing you've got to learn, right? In each language. Yeah. <laughs> and a lot of people say, you know, that, you know, um, like Australian slang and uh, Singapore English, which is called Singlish, are languages of their own. So I'm going to add those two to the polyglot. <laughs> All right, so we'll add that to the official. We have to make a graphic when we uh, when we uh, market this podcast, just you know, encapsulating like a Gantt chart of your like language experience alone, right? Absolutely. <laughs> oh my god, this is funny. This is hilarious. We've talked a lot, kind yeah. of, about your multinational experience. You know how that relates to your events, and you know, you even mentioned that your love of travel was birthed early on, you know, from your family mm-hmm. experience. But then as an adult, you've done a ton of business travel. Can you kind of talk about what what it looks like when you travel with your family? I know you just did like an epic vacation in, in France and with all the yeah. um, uh, wines. I was vineyards. following you on your Insta stories and the vineyards <laughs> you went to. And yeah. um, whereas you do like your business travel, I know you've got a trip coming up for the Digital Disruptor next week. I know this is going to air months later, but yeah. <laughs> kind of talk about what your travel experience looks like when it's personal versus business. Why? That's a great question. I don't think I've ever been asked that. Fabulous. Wonderful. Oh, thank you. Um, I try I try to ask, you know, the questions <laughs> that pe- the questions that need answered, you know, if we are already on the Internet, then they don't need answered. <laughs> Yeah. Um, you know, when I travel personally, um, like with my family, for example, um, which is most of the times, um, it's obviously very different from when I travel for business. So uh, with the family, um, my husband is a very different traveler to me. He's a real homebody. So, you know, he is one of those people that, you know, when I say let's go on holiday, in his head, that's him lying on a a, like a, a beach uh, bed um, and doing nothing for seven days, right? Except like you're basically your all-inclusive like uh, dream guest. All they do is lie there, go eat three times, come back and lie there, maybe do a couple of tips. They never leave the resort. Um, <laughs> that is like my absolute nightmare because I cannot, I, I am not that person. Um, right. So what I tend to do is I, I, I manage those expectations by, by planning ahead as the event planner that I am. I plan the holidays too and I say, these are the days we can chill <laughs> and these are the days that we're actually going to get to know the country and the city that we're going to. So, you know, right, I, right. I Google a lot. I, I follow lots of travel bloggers and I'm especially obsessed with uh, Somebody Feed Phil. Um, on Netflix, if you haven't seen it, you absolutely should. Um, I think you're like the third or fourth recommendation I've had for that show. So I definitely need to check it out. You got to watch it. And so I'm a huge foodie. So the first thing I will do, whether I travel for business or for personal, is I will research the crap out of that destination in terms of what is good to eat. Where can I go? Where can I go to eat the local food? What's good? Um, what do, you know, I, I'm a big, uh, coffee addict so I love exploring and finding um, cafes to go to cute cafes Um, and uh, yeah right now as a mother uh, a lot of my family holidays are also dictated around keeping the little one entertained 
as well as us. So finding things to do that kind of meet the whole family's uh, requirements. So they look very different. When I travel personally, like for business, um, I do the same kind of research and planning. Um, but obviously I also, um, see if, first of all, if I know anyone where I'm going, um, I always like to extend my stay by a day or two, cause I love being able to experience the destination myself and see things I want to see. So to give you an example, going to Stavanger, uh, next week, oh my God. Um, and I've got like a list of like cafes I want to go check out. Um, it's, a, you know, I'm obsessed with street art. And graffiti so um, nine times out of ten I will do all these like street art walks you know um, and then I would love to at least experience one or two like really cool like high-end Michelin restaurants because I love that um, and then try to book in like site inspections at really cool hotels because obviously I you know I still do my vlog and I want to do a travel vlog of my experiences. Um, so yeah, I mean, they're, they're, they look very different, um, but the, I guess the consistent thread is that I'm, I'm definitely an explorer. Um, I'm not someone that's gonna sit on a bed, like a, a beach bed for six days and do nothing. I just can't, I literally will. The demons in my head will haunt me. <laughs> and get me out, so yeah. That makes sense. And um, I'm imagining with all your Norwegian friends that you've got some dates lined up, right? I do. I mean, I know Heidi's probably going to keep me pretty busy. <laughs> she's already asked me if Work I have first, hiking right? shoes. So I guess I'm going hiking. Oh, nice. Um, oh, nice. <laughs> so, um, so, yeah, I mean, I love trying local food. So if there's anything local to, like, the cuisine... Um, uh, then I will definitely want to go and try out what that is. Um, and yeah, I, I, I think I have a few friends that do still, maybe I'm not in touch with them anymore, but I've, I've sent out a message going, I'm headed to Stavanger, Norway. If you are still, you know, interested <laughs> and you want to meet up, drop me a message. Um, so right, let's see right. if anybody responds, but yeah, <laughs> we don't know. Love it. Um, so one kind of, fun question I thought of as you were talking about your different experiences and where you've lived and what you try and do, especially with you wanting to try out the coffee, because, you know, you were a former barista, coffee extraordinaire. I was. Um, what's mm -hmm. your favorite, either your favorite coffee or kind of like a coffee experience that you've had in all of your travels? Oh, wow. So my favorite experience was, and this is something you cannot have every day because you would be obese, but... Um, <laughs> It was a fam trip uh, organized by Switzerland um, and the Dorchester Collection. This was when I was living in London and I was on the uh, event planner side of things. I worked at this uh, at the agency that we founded. And it was a small group of us and we were doing a trip from... Um, like it was three destinations and one of the destinations was uh, Rome. And we went to some place in Rome. Um, no, not Rome. Sorry, I'm getting this all wrong. It was Milan. Sorry, Milan. It was because of the Dorchester <laughs> Italy, collection. Italy, same, hotel same in country. Milan. Potato, yeah. patata. Apologies exactly. to any Italians that are listening. Um, right? <laughs> Dorchester, that's right. So it was, we stayed a night at the Dorchester uh, Collection Hotel, which is like a country house resort outside of London for a night. Then we flew to 
um, Milan. And then we went from there to Switzerland because there was three properties and it was like three nights. It was a phenomenal trip. Um, and when we were in Milan, um, beautiful hotel, by the way, there, Dorchester Collection. Um, there's a little area um, and it's got like a little canal that runs through it. And there's all these like little cafes and things along the side. And they had, we went in and it's like, oh, Sabrina, you have to try a Nutellino. You probably know what's coming up now. So I was like, what is a Nutellino? So basically, it's like an espresso cup. And there was a huge vat of melted Nutella. So they would take a scoop of melted Nutella and basically fill up the sides and the inside of this little espresso cup. Then they would put a shot of espresso. Then they would put like a minute amount of froth and then they would put another huge amount of Nutella on top. And that was the coffee. And I was like just looking at it for about five seconds, like five minutes, just like, I don't, I mean, what is this? And it was incredible. <laughs> it really was. It was mm-hmm. just incredible. It was like a heart attack in a cup, but it was so right. good. And I'll never forget it just because it was this wow factor. And I, you know, I love Nutella. Who doesn't? But, you know, it was just like these two things that come together and you're in Milan. Like, what's not to love? So yeah, right. it was, that's probably my most like memorable coffee moment so far. It sounds it sounds like like the creamiest, meltiest coffee you could ever have. Right. Oh, my God. It really was. I don't even taste coffee. You just tasted like liquid <laughs> Nutella pretty much. It's like, yeah. Oh. As you mentioned, that's prob- that's definitely not something you could do every day. Absolutely. No. Well, we're coming towards the end of our time, um, and I put everyone on the spot with this question, so I have to do it to you as well. But if you could take one, if you could pick one song to kind of encapsulate, you know, like the conversation we've had today or, you know, your love journey with events and travel, what would it be and why? So I'm going to go with this one classic song that I have always heard. Uh, It's my feel good song. It reminds me of travel, feel good moments. I think we've had an awesome time here today. Uh, You know, um, it's made me very happy and joyful. Um, And that song is the girl from Ipanema, uh, from Stan Getz. uh, And I think Yao Gilberto. Um, It's a classic. It's old. It's Bossa Nova. But it just is such a cool song and it always puts me in a good mood. And it just means, I just feel like I want to be on a beach somewhere with a cocktail and just having a great time and chilling. And that's how travel and hotels and events should always be. So, <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I believe that travel and events introduce you to new people, places and things. And the thing I love about asking that question is I always, I don't think people have said one song that I've known. So I keep getting new music suggestions and I keep adding new things to my Spotify playlist. So it's like the little sweet surprise at the end of these episodes. (laughs) I love that. Well, Sabrina, I've loved having you on today. This was really fun chat. Um, I feel like I need to get my travel up after speaking with you because you're just you've (laughs) just experienced so much in your lifetime. But uh, before we sign off, please tell the people where they can find you on the interwebs. Absolutely. I'm probably the easiest person to find online. So um, I am on Instagram, um, Twitter, Facebook, 
LinkedIn, as well as have my YouTube channel. Um, so you can reach out to me basically on any of those social media platforms. My handle is hot hospitality with an E at the end. Um, and yeah, I'm probably most active on Instagram and LinkedIn. Um, and I'm always super duper excited to re reach out and meet and connect with everyone and anyone. Um, you know, the world is huge. Let's connect. Uh, look, me and Dina are like besties and we've never met yet. So, you know, it's the power <laughs> Literally of the across the road from each other, right? Yeah. <laughs> We're like the meme masters of the events industry. So, you yes. know, that only meme masters. Meme masters, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> okay, that's a new new thing I'm adding to my headline. The social media expert has given me my my title as meme master. It's going in my headline. <laughs> Love it. <laughs> Thanks so much, Sabrina. Thank you for having me. And uh, yeah, thank you for um, to everyone that's listening for listening. Bye. Bye. This has been another episode of the Experience Junkies podcast. Thank you so much for listening and or watching. Please feel free to leave us a review. Let us know what you're thinking in the comments of this show. Uh, make sure to also subscribe wherever you listen to podcasts or on our YouTube channel. Thank you again and have a great rest of your day.